Lord. Amen. So if you have your Bibles this morning, <coughs> we're going to work a little while in the Word of God. And, and uh, again, I don't preach because I know everything. And none of you know anything, and I know everything, so I'm trying to, you know, preach down on people. I absolutely don't want you to get that feeling. I just believe that God anoints some people to see some insights in the Word of God, and, and then we share those uh, to the body, to strengthen the body, right? To encourage the body. And so the Lord is faithful with that. I guess over the years, if, if I looked at what I've done over the years, Lord, what have I been? Just sort of a, sort of a revelator, uh, pastor, and tried to be faithful to that. And so this morning, we're just going to try and do that again. I miss Brother Curtis once in a while, and nobody has to do this, but once in a while, he would yell out, good pastor, good shepherd, good shepherd. We said something, and it was kind of get quiet, and I'd hear him, good shepherd, good shepherd, good shepherd. What he meant was, you know, I'm with you. So sometimes when you say amen, I know you're with me, all right? And uh, do you know there's some multi-purpose about saying amen? It helps you not go to sleep. And, and then it encourages, encourages also that you're with us on the same page. Turn with me to a, a setting of Scripture in Acts, the 16th chapter. And I want to read um, just a, a part of this, and then I want to talk about this little setting of Scripture this morning, I want to um, speak about which spirit is which. Now, <coughs> I'm studying for this, and then in my daily reading, I come across where the Lord dealt with them about blaspheming the Spirit of God. If you look at the very end of that, little, the thing where they, they actually tried to say that Jesus was of the devil, that he got his strength from Beelzebub, that he had the spirit of the devil in him. And then the Lord said this, he said, those things that are said against me, the Son of Man, will be forgiven. Those things which are said against the Spirit of God will not be forgiven in this life nor in the life to come. That set us in a place where we have a great respect and a, a fear, sort of a dread and a fear uh, when we talk about the things of the Spirit so that we don't cross over that line. But Jesus finishes it up, that little segment. He finishes up this way. Because they said he had an unclean spirit. So I was talking to somebody recently. He said, I don't know if I've committed the unpardonable sin that if God will forgive me. Have you claimed that Jesus has an unclean spirit? Well, if you haven't done that, then everything else can be forgiven you. I'll tell you why that can't be forgiven. Because if you believe he has an unclean spirit, then he doesn't forgive you. An unclean spirit can't forgive you. So we're not going to deal with the whole idea, well, I said something years ago, and I was in sin. I'd been around church, and I said something against the Lord, and, and I know that that's, you know, it's, it's kind of a, 
It's kind of something of fear that's been put into us a little bit. But I want you to know that we come to the Lord because He has, he has the, the awesome Spirit of God. Amen. And so we're not going to deal with that. But we are going to touch this issue. This is Pentecostal taboo here this morning. Taboo, I guess you would say. And so let's, let's, let's enter into this with reverence, but also with our eyes wide open. The 16th chapter of Acts and the 16th verse. And it happened as we went into a place of prayer, a certain slave girl having a pythonic spirit. <laughs> this is what the Greek says. It's a spirit of a python. When actually it was the Greek word is pythonos. And this was some myth that this spirit actually uh, was the, the guard of the oracle this certain Greek oracle and, and this snake serpent, how mythical was the guard of that oracle. And this young girl, having this spirit, met us, whose divining brought much gain to her masters. And following after Paul, she cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are announcing to us the way of salvation. Wow. She had a, a python spirit and said this. Let's go over to John, or for, rather, 1 John, into your Bible here, 1 John, the fourth chapter. Again, we're going to talk about which spirit, which spirit is which. The first verse, fourth chapter of First John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits, whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone forth into the world. By this know the Spirit of God, every spirit which confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. Amen. Lord, with, with extreme reverence this morning, we want to look at something that most people don't want to deal with, don't want to touch. But Lord, I think it's important. There's some things going on in this world. There's some things going on around about us that we need to understand. We need to know what spirit is driving us. And so, Lord, I ask you, God, just settle it down on us. Open our hearts, our mind, our soul before you that we'll see a thing that comes out of your word that is from you. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, Luke, the, uh, those that traveled with Paul went to Thyatira. And there they met a woman who constrained them just a few verses earlier, Lydia, who wanted them to stay in her home as they went out and ministered. And so the, the Scripture said she constrained us. In other words, she really uh, put it on us to stay at her house, which they did. And as they sort of headquartered out of her house, they went to a place of prayer. And I think they probably went every day. There was a time of prayer. Uh, many of the Jews went to a certain time, an hour. They call it the hour of prayer. 
And they were traveling to a place of prayer. I think it was probably the synagogue. I think that'd be fair to say that they were headed that direction. And on the way, this young woman, I don't think she was a child. I think she was a young adult woman who was under these masters that used her. Somehow she had got a demon spirit. And one of the things that you need to understand in the New Testament, we don't deal a lot with demon spirits here now so much. There was so much witchcraft. There was so much mixing. And and I've talked about this before, how the Jews mixed a lot of things even in their religion. But these people were steeped in witchcraft. I mean, it was bad stuff, the occult stuff, you know. Uh, human sacrifice and and all kinds of things, and it pretty much covered the known world, these false religions that were very evil. We don't have too much of that here now, so a lot of the people that came to Jesus, he had to cast demons out of them. I've seen some of that. I've been privy to a little bit of this. Um, Some of the things that happened when I was young, people trying to cast demons out of people, and it became sometimes more of a circus than anything else. But the Lord just spoke His Word and said, now you get out. And that was, that was pretty much it. They obeyed His Word. And so, uh, but there were a lot of people that had uh, uh, accepted these religions and, and, and this, this stuff got into them. They received demonic spirits. And this, this young girl, she, she evidently had been raised in that, and now she has acquired this spirit. A couple of things that we need to notice about this is that this spirit was primarily right in its foretelling and forecasting. She was a prophetess for them, and she foretold things for people, and she was right primarily. You don't make money on being wrong, especially in a a community that knows everybody and say, no, that gal down there, she's, she's just crazy in what she says. It's just lunacy. They would not go and spend their money on that. But if they think, if they think that somebody's going to prophesy right to them, they'll throw their money at it. Now that's going on in the day that we live. They'll throw their money. Uh, Rodney and I were talking about this the other day. That why do people flock to that stuff? Why are they so enamored? with this prophecy stuff, throwing their money at There's a lot of wealth involved in that stuff. And they think they can get a word that somehow that's going to help their life if they get some word of prophecy. Now, years ago, and I've, I've seen this, a lot of uh, uh, a prophecy was done over individuals, or individual prophecy. In fact, uh, I've seen where they just lined people up and they had a prophecy for each individual person and and yea, son and daughter, thou, thou art, you know, God's going to do great things in you. And, you're gonna, and, and, and those people are just falling out and, and re- feeling real good about that. But, but that all, a lot of that hinged on money. Come on, say amen. And so this woman has this spirit, and she's making much money for her masters. Now, I want you to watch something. A demon spirit... They're not stupid. 
They are very well versed. They don't come into this thing, you know, empty-handed. Demon spirits have been around since creation. I don't believe in the multiplication of demon spirits. I don't believe angels can multiply. I don't believe demon spirits can multiply. But I do believe they stay here. And they just resurface and resurface and resurface. And whoever is willing, whoever opens themselves to that habitation, they come in. <laughs> and so this girl who has this spirit now, um, she can play both sides. And so I want you to see this, that sometimes it is not easy to identify a wrong spirit. Let me go back to something that John just said. He said, don't believe every spirit. There's a lot of spirits out there. There's a lot of spirits that call themselves Christian. There's a lot of spirits that call themselves Pentecostal. You know, I'm going to walk kind of a fine line here this morning. I don't want us to turn against brethren. I don't want us to, to act like that we've got it all and nobody else has anything. That's not what I'm doing this morning. But John said this, you're going to have a right to do something as a Christian. So I want everybody in this building to understand this is not the pastor's job primarily. It is the Christian's job. Test. And that word test there means to prove. Prove the spirits. To see whether they are of God or not. So whose job is that? We've left that a lot of times. We just left it off to other people and the pastor and teachers and different people. And, and spirits have crept into our home. Somebody, come on, say amen. And we didn't know it. And sometimes it was too late. Devastation already happened in our home, and we didn't identify that. But, but the Lord says here this morning, I believe this is a, an edict to everybody sitting in this place. Test the Spirit. You have the right by the, by the Lord to test the Spirit. Don't receive something just because it says it is of the Lord. You have a right for your home to say, no, it's not of the Lord. And we're not receiving that into our house. Everybody okay? Say amen. amen. <coughs> this woman begins to cry out. I don't find anything wrong with what she's crying out. These are men of God who are here to show us the way to salvation. What's wrong with that? I mean, she is spot on. She's been doing her prophecy and all these things that she's been doing, and now she turns to these guys and says, these are men of God. I want you to know one thing. Demons know how to identify who's right and who's wrong. A lot of times we don't, but they do. Remember the, the instance when the seven sons of Siva went out they were going to deliver a man from a demon. And he tore them up and whipped their hide. Sent them away. What did that demon say? He said, I know who Jesus is. I know who Paul is. But I don't know who you are. Demons are not just afraid of, I come against you in the, in the name of Jesus. No. If there is no life to back that up, they're not afraid of that at all. 
What they're afraid of is men of God who really can identify them and rebuke them in the name of the Lord. These are men of God. In other words, listen to them. Now, I would think on the outset, you know, this, this gal's pretty good. She's helping us. She's one of the gospel helpers right here in Thyatira. We're going to preach the gospel to these lost people in this way. You're right. Amen. But after a few times that this happens, Paul is aggravated in his spirit and turns to her and turns to that spirit and says, come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. See, we're afraid to do that because we might offend somebody. They're calling on the name of the Lord. They're saying Lord things. They're doing churchy stuff. And we might offend them if we say that they've got the wrong spirit. This gal, even though she was saying the right thing, had the wrong spirit. Can you say amen to that? So I I just take this as an example here to run with John. Because John says try the spirit. I believe Paul is in the process of trying the spirit as the day goes on. And as they're working with this thing, every time they go past her, she begins to proclaim, these are the men of God. And he just grew weary of it because he knew in his spirit that you can't serve the enemy and serve God at the same time. God is not using devils to promote his gospel. There's a lot of stuff going on out there, and I am angry with it because there's a lot of things going on out there that are being promoted by devils, but God is not using devils to promote his word. He doesn't need them. So, well, they're doing some good. No, no, if they've got a wrong spirit, he doesn't need them. Turn and say, come out of them, you foul spirit. So, we are on to the testing and proving whether it is of God's spirit or not because there are so many false prophets out there. And then, so John goes on to say this. You need to be equipped in your judgment of spirits. You need to be somebody who has some knowledge and wisdom. So, as infants, we don't understand because we're tossed to and fro. But if we begin to understand the Lord and His principles and His Word, we begin to understand the Spirit of God. There are many false prophets out there. But out of all of those spirits and prophets that are out there, there is only one. There is only one Spirit, Holy Spirit of God. So, now let me say this. There's a lot of claims to it, but there is only one true Spirit of God. Just like there's only one God out there. There's not many. Well, all roads lead to heaven. No, 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 no. All roads do not lead to heaven. There's only one God. What does that make the rest of the gods out there? It makes them false, right? Every god is false but the Lord our God. What do you mean the Lord our Because we claim Him? No, because He is the God of the Scripture. He is the God of heaven. He has proved Himself. And now He says, prove these spirits. Now here's the proof. The ones that confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. I've got to show you a little something here. 
There's a lot of things that start out calling Jesus Lord. But when you look at this word confess and the grammar upon this word, listen, it is present, indicative, active. So in other words, this spirit just does not confess one time that Jesus is Lord. And that be the launching pad for a ministry. That be the launching pad for great things that this prophet is going to do. But it continues and it is current. The Spirit of God always confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has come in the flesh. That's the Spirit of God. So it isn't just a one-time jump out there and say, you know, it's like that one-time prayer. You just come in and get that one-time prayer and everything's going to be okay. No, it's not. It's a continuance, right? Continuance. So the Spirit of God never does waver from confessing continually that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the, the body, the flesh, man of God who is in heaven. That's the Spirit of God, and everything else that does not confess that, does not continually confess that, is not of God. I want to give you a little something to work from. Because you need to be judges this morning of spirits that are around you. I stand in this statement. We've confessed this before. We'll continue to confess this until, and, and, until we just wear it completely out, and then we'll keep going. The spirit of prophecy is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The spirit of prophecy is not the foretelling of end times. The spirit of prophecy is not even the forth-telling of Scripture. The spirit of prophecy is the forth-telling of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be that in times, be that past, be that present. The spirit of, of our Lord, our Savior, it's the foretelling of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, you don't have a hope in this life outside of Jesus Christ. So we can get up and preach about end times, and we can pull text out of the book of Revelation and, and talk about all of those things that are there and nobody understands. We can talk about those things and call it the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the title of the book. But unless it reveals Christ in our life, that revelation is doing us absolutely no good whatsoever. It doesn't matter whether you know what time it is if you don't know the one who is keeping the time. So, well, I just want to know, man, we've got to look at everything's closing in. The Antichrist is just about here. The 666, what are we going to do? I'm not doing anything other than what I've already done, and that has placed my hope, my trust, my life, my future, my eternity in the knowledge of our Savior and Lord, Rabbi Yeshua Jesus Christ, is my completion. Can you say amen? A spirit that gets off lost in end times and forgets the confession that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is a wrong spirit. And I don't want to paint the picture that everybody's demon-possessed this morning, but spirits influence people. Even more than possess them, they influence them. Has anybody here ever been influenced by a wrong spirit? 
Well, let me testify that I have, because nobody else here has. Get mad about something and, and, you know, just go way too far and just, sometimes you're just influenced by a wrong thing. Doesn't mean you're demon-possessed, but you can be in, and there's things that I've said that I really, really believed and later found out I was wrong. You can be wrong and still love the Lord and realize, wow, you know, I, I'm listening to a wrong thing right there. Can you say man? Do you understand what I'm talking about? I just, I'm listening. I listened to a wrong thing. I should not have been influenced like that, but I'm not demon-possessed. But there's so many spirits out there that want to direct us and, and guide us and lead us under the name of the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. But everything past, present, and future, if this spirit does not confess the Lord revealed in the past, revealed in the present, revealed in the future, and the glory of God in Christ Jesus, then I'm going to have to equip you this morning and say, put some doubt, some shadow upon that spirit. Is that all right? Amen. Now, let me tell you this. You already know, but let me tell you anyway. Only valuable things are copied. You don't copy things that aren't valuable. Do you say, ever see anybody out there copying pennies? You know, I'm just going to copy pennies. Well, you don't need to copy pennies. It costs you more to copy one than, than what it's worth. And so I'm thinking about one of the greatest copies that has ever happened. And uh, somebody is going to have to explain to me the worth of the Mona Lisa. When I look at the Mona Lisa, I look at a very homely woman who really doesn't smile very good. Somebody is seeing more about that than I am. Well, Leonardo da Vinci painted it, and so, you know, well, he did a lot of paintings. So it doesn't mean just because he painted it, but, but here is this Mona Lisa. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but so much fuss has been made over this one picture, one painting, rather. It's said to be the best known, most visited, most written about, most sung about, most parodied work of art in the world. And why? Let me tell you why. It's worth $850 million. I couldn't care less about that painting. My brother had some paintings. We went in his house. I looked at those paintings, I said, I wouldn't even have those. I don't care what they cost. Well, he had one that was pretty expensive. I said, I can make those all day long. Heather knows. Okay, it was a canvas. It was painted green, all green. And then there was a, and it looked almost like spray can, and, and a line of gold, and then I think there was white on it. That's a $6,000 painting right there. I can put those babies out by the hundreds every day. I don't understand the value of that. Well, it was the person that did it. We are morons. 
We are just morons. You mean because he sprayed that paint, it's more valuable than if I spray that paint, you know. But I would say this. I don't think the most parodied thing of worth is the Mona Lisa. I believe it's the pretension of the Holy Spirit of God. For 20 centuries now, we've had men who have used and abused what God intended to be so very, very important and beautiful for the church. It's for gain, for power, position. There's, there's just one genuine Holy Spirit of God that continues to be copied over and over and over and over. Let me tell you one of the reasons why. Because any demon can do it. Let me be careful again. I don't want to destroy anybody's faith. Pastor, do you believe that speaking in tongues, I believe that when the Spirit of God decides to do that in your life and you are a willing vessel, that He can do exactly that. And I'm talking about tongues. I'm talking about something, a language that you don't even know. And that language is a real language. I believe that with all my heart. There's, there's no question about that. However, what was brought on us for many years is something far different than that. I heard a preacher of great renown held crusades all over the world. And it just happened this week. You know, it's, it's just kind of the Lord gathers things for a message, right? <laughs> happened this week to see him in this, in this crusade where he had hundreds of people up in the front. And he's going to get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is how you do it. Is that if you feel something inside of you, a word, uh, something, you know, a statement of some kind. And you just let it out. And then you let that out and you're filled with the Spirit of God. No, 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 no. No! There's a wrong spirit telling people they're full of the Spirit of God. They're living like the devil. They haven't changed their life. And yet they're being told that they're full of the Spirit of God. That's a wrong spirit. (coughs) Doesn't matter what language. I'm going to tell you this. The devil knows every language in the world. Tell me because you speak in a tongue that you're full of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not about a tongue. Somebody say amen. And the, 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 the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is not because you spoke a tongue. I'm tired of it. I don't believe it. It's not true. It's been influenced by other spirits to say, If you can speak in a tongue, then you're out there filled with the Spirit, and that is not the truth of the gospel. It is the birthing power of Jesus Christ in your life that changes you. You become a vessel of the Lord. You become one of His people. You become part of the church. You hear the call of the Spirit of God, and He fills you and births you by His Spirit. It has nothing to do with just speaking in a language. But can God do that in your life? Absolutely, I believe in that. Absolutely, God does great things in our life, but it is for purpose, and the purpose is not 
So a preacher can tell you, you got it. Everybody happy? Say amen. So one of the things that, that we've had to, to deal with is this line that Jesus said and, and, and this doctrine, this heresy of receiving a language indicates that somehow you are filled with the Spirit of God. It leans on this where Jesus said, if you ask the Father for bread, he would not give you a stone. But I'm going to take that for right for face value right there because you're not asking for bread. You're asking for the bread of heaven. Anyone that's asking for the bread of heaven, Lord, God rain down upon my, my life. Lord, become Lord of my life. Become the one who is my rabbi and my master. And, and Lord, I want the bread out of heaven on my life. Then the Lord is not going to give you some wrong spirit. I heard not long ago somebody went to a certain church because they wanted to learn how they wanted to experience speaking in tongues. I'm going to tell you this. You might get to the right denomination that does that, but it has nothing to do with the outpouring of the Spirit of God. You can be at home in your closet driving down the road in your car, and the Spirit of God can move on you to speak in tongues. You don't have to go to a special place, a special meeting, a special minister. It is yielding yourself. To the master Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? And so this is beautiful. We ask the Father for bread. We ask the Father for the bread of heaven. Jesus said, I am that bread that came out of heaven. Amen. Let's go to John 14 for a little minute. John 14, 6. Rabbi Yeshua Jesus said this about himself. <coughs> I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes, I'm going to use this Greek term, pros, ton, patera, if not through me. So I'm going to connect something here. The rules of God engagement were changing. He had set up that you could come to him through sacrifice. He had set up that you could come to him through the temple and through the priesthood. But now the rules of engagement are changing. No one. Everybody say no one. That includes everybody. No one comes towards the Father's term proston means to come into the presence of, to come to the Father except through the Son. It's all changed. You used to come to the Father through sacrifice and temple worship through the law. We're changing that because God, in His wisdom, that was not the real anyway. God, in His wisdom, changes it to this. No one comes towards the transcendent God without dealing with the imminent God 
who is the Son of Man. Now, hang on for a minute. I'm, I'm, I want to throw this over anybody's head, but access will not be granted to the Spirit of God if you don't come through the flesh of God. There's been some spirits out there that said no to this. That you can go around Christ and you can come in another way. I love Billy Graham for all that he did, but when he got old, he said people are coming to God and they don't even know Christ. Uh, eh. Wrong. If you don't come through the flesh, you don't get to the Spirit. Wow. I've never had anybody tell me that. I've never. It just, it's just the Lord. That's just what he said right there. Then I want to go over to the 15th chapter of same uh, John 15, 26. Speaking to his disciples as still the son of man, still flesh. But when the Paracletos comes, and he's talking in flesh, talking of spirit, whom I will send to you from, use the word para, from the father progenitor of this, the spirit of truth. Now, didn't we just read in the sixth verse, Jesus said, I am the truth. So what spirit do you get when you get Holy Spirit? The spirit of truth, which is, who is truth? Jesus Christ. So simply, you receive the spirit of Christ. That's what it is. The one which from out of from within the Father proceeds. Oh, that's the same thing that was said of, of, of the Lord in John 8. I came out of from within God. That one will witness concerning me. What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? The witnessing of Jesus Christ. Wow. If the spirit that's being received out there does not witness of Christ, does not continually, present, indicative, active, continue to witness of Jesus Christ in your life, but steers you another direction, it is not the spirit of God. So I'm trying to equip you with a little bit of knowing here. So, And then when we want to talk about no one comes pros tom patera. Jesus said uh, in the 14th chapter and 28th verse, I am going pros tom patera. Yet, mean you've got to tie this whole thing together. Is that the Lord, I've got a statement that you have never heard before. And so, everybody ready to, uh, what do they call it? Tweet. Everybody ready to tweet. Get on this one right here. Get on this one. The Lord was trying to explain to them in John 14 through 17 chapters the transition from his flesh witnessing of his spirit into his spirit witnessing of his flesh. Think about that for just a second. In his ministry, he's constantly 
trying to make them aware of his spirit. That's why he said, you can say things about me, but you say anything about the spirit that's in me, that's not forgiven you. He's making them aware of the words that I speak unto you. They are spirit, and they are life. He is proving to them in his flesh that he is that true spirit. Turn this thing around, ascend into heaven, Send his spirit back. Now he is proving by his spirit. He is witnessing that his flesh was the son of God. That in his flesh, that he was God on earth. That in his flesh, he is the one that salvation contingent upon. His flesh. And you're not coming to him by some outside spirit. You're not going to get there without him. He is that which is prostompatera. He is the glory of God sitting in the high place, sending his spirit to us, which witnesses unto us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We receive another spirit than that. We've got the wrong one. We just flat out have the wrong one. And so let me wind down and Again, maybe we're going to get out early. Keep your fingers crossed, you know. We're going to maybe get out early. Beat them to the restaurants, right? <coughs> the Holy Spirit. I want to start with the word holy. The word spirit literally means breath. It, it means, you know, panuma is spirit, breath, life. The word holy. Hagias in the Greek. Listen to the definition. You can look it up anywhere in, in uh, the Bible studies. Hagias means separate from others. Different. Distinct. Does everybody know what distinct means? We all, I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and they were talking about their children well, this one's not like that one. I said, you know what? Every person is distinct. You know that? You know, as, as much as uh, Rodney wants to be like me, I know he does. You know, he just wants to be like Dad. He is distinct. Heather loves her daddy. You know, I like that. You know? She went out. I, I, she's she's uh, my helper sometimes, you know. We used to travel and take Heather. And, and probably still, she... Love daddy. I hope. Amen. But Heather's distinct. She come from Kay and I, but she's distinct. My children, my grandchildren. Love them. They are so distinct. Right in their family. Rodney is not Riley. Riley is not Reagan. And they all have little characters about them. And you know this about your, your all of you know, you know, I'm saying, you know your children. They're distinct. And, and as much as you think, wow, what? Man, that, that's really different. That's, yes, they are different. They're just distinct little people. Now, let me say something about holy and the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is different, is distinct. Now, I was brought up to believe and taught by the mantra of Pentecostal churches, organizations, all of them believe this. 
that the three persons of God are distinct. Well, really, that word means different. Really, that word means separate. And so you do have three individual gods. Well, I don't have that. Some years later, it had been a lot of work that the Lord did on me in, 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 the, in, in the Greek New Testament and, and just in my spirit to show me that, no, there's not three different persons that I'm serving here. There's just one Lord God. Can you say amen? And that His Spirit is just one Spirit. He doesn't have three different spirits. He's not three different lords. I don't know which one I'm going to serve. But a lot of people have gone that direction and take the distinction part from away from the rest of the spirits and make it distinct from the other two persons in God. I don't want a one spirit that's different than the other two. I'm sorry. I just don't want that. I want just everything from my Lord. I want His Spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. So we all have, you know, some little different understandings and nuances about all that. Okay. But I want, you to, I want to tell you what he is distinct from. The distinction is from the rest of the spirits that are out there. There's one spirit that's holy. Come on, say amen. The rest of them are not holy. They're not distinct. They're not separate. They're not different. But there is this one spirit, and it is the spirit of God that is distinct. Let me say, tell you something about this distinction of the spirit of truth or the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. This spirit cannot and does not lie. And now you can just point out all of those false prophets who got up and said, Trump is going to be the president for the next four years. And what I'm going to tell you is they were influenced and they heard a spirit tell them that. But it was not the Spirit holy. Holy Spirit doesn't miss. And we can get in our flesh and we can miss and, 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 you know, do all that thing. But God's Spirit doesn't miss. Doesn't like, well, you know, I'm, I'm two out of three. Like a batting average, right? And I've got, boy, I, I got in there and I've got some right and I got some wrong. Kim Clement, I don't know if you know who Kim Clement is. Kemp Clement thought he was a, uh, a prophet to the nations. And he would miss thing after thing after thing. He said, you know what he said? Well, at least I'm doing something. Well, he was. He was false prophesying. Count all those men that stood up and said that Trump was going to be president for the next four years. And folks, we've come two years and he hasn't been president yet. He may come back in. He may be restored. I hope he is. But God doesn't miss on that. You know, the latest excuse, this is the latest excuse I heard for false prophecy. God changed his mind. He said that, but then he changed his mind about it. No, no, I'm not going that direction. Thank you. What God says, he cannot lie. God is not a man that he can lie. Come on, say amen. Neither the son of man that he should repent, has he not spoken it, and shall he not make it good? You mean to tell me that he can prophesy it, but then he can't make it happen? That's the wrong spirit. When God does it, when God says it, when God orders it, it's going to happen. <coughs> Number two, this spirit, we've been talking about this, never veers away from the witness of Jesus Christ. Never veers away into other things. So if you see somebody who said they're a prophet, they're, 
They're a foreteller of the gospel. They are a preacher. And all they can preach about is current events. All they can preach about is it's good to be good and nice to be nice. And you need to love people. And you never hear the gospel. That person is not being influenced of the Holy Spirit. Walk around saying they're Holy Spirit filled and have nothing to say about the Lord. No, that person is not Holy Spirit filled. And let me say this last third thing. Never has or never will change. The Holy Spirit of God does not accommodate times, people, places, person, events. The Spirit of God can be said the same thing if we believe what the book of Hebrews said about Jesus Christ and it's His Spirit, then I would have to say this about the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change by times. It doesn't change by people, administrations. It doesn't change by church values. It doesn't change because people want God to change for this hour, the Holy Spirit of God is going to say the same thing today as He said on the day of Pentecost. He's going to say the same thing today as in the early church. Come on. He's going to say the same exact thing as He said when He delivered the very text of God to the church. That's why we can stand up in this old 2,000-year-old book and say, no, it's right every single time. Let every man be a liar and let God be the truth. Amen. So which spirit is which? I'm concerned a lot about those claiming to be spirit-filled. Those who claim that their actions and unctions are of what they call Holy Ghost. And I'm not saying that's a bad term, but but to say that you are full of the Holy Ghost and your actions do not look like the actions of Christ. That your unctions that you preach by or live by don't reveal Christ in your life. I'm sorry to say you might have the wrong ghost. The subject is so precarious, I mean... No one wants to get up and talk about this. It's easier just to accept everything. Somebody says, Spirit-filled. Good. Hey, we're all Spirit-filled. Then on the other side of that, we won't want to run the risk of a blasphemy. I don't want to run the risk of blasphemy. Well, I'm going to tell you, like John said, brethren, sisters in this body, it's time. We need to begin to prove the Spirit of God. There's a lot of stuff out there, and it's not getting less. It's getting more. Here, let me give you some few examples. The leadership of the Bethel movement that has swept the world made this statement. The Holy Ghost is fun. I heard it myself. The Holy Ghost might be fun. But the Spirit of God is not. So, well, Pastor, why are they out there laying on graves trying to suck spirits out of graves? Because the Holy Ghost is fun. Why do they have these crazy fire tunnels and, and all that weird stuff that's going on and, and astro projection and 
all the things that are just so crazy and weird. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is fun. The Holy Spirit of God is not fun. The Holy Spirit of God is real, will change your life, will mold you, will make you, will lead you, will guide you. But one of the definitions of the Holy Spirit of God is not fun. Because if you take the definition of fun and you're going to run into a bunch of stuff that you never should have been involved in, and that's where that movement has gone, it's using a spirit that is not the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why in your school that people are traveling all over the world to get to your ministry school is full of homosexuals. Because you've presented this precious holiness of God as being fun. I said this before and it just, it just I, I almost had to gasp when I heard this. Mike Murdoch, I don't know if you know who Mike Murdoch is. He's the wisdom guy. He's the most stupid guy I know. He's the wisdom guy, though. He has, I forget what he calls his ministry, something to do with wisdom. He said this, I've wrote 5,000 songs to the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. And that same spirit that inspired him to write those 5,000 songs, he wrote another song. And he said this quote, I think Rodney watched this with me. He said, I've got a song for the person who said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, how many of you know who said it is more blessed to give than to receive? That's a quote from Jesus. Paul said, the Lord said it is more blessed to give than to receive. This spirit that caused him to write all of these songs caused him to write another song for the man who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. How dumb you are. How dumb you are. And he just laughed and everybody there laughed. And I said, that's not the Holy Spirit. Would the Holy Spirit lead you to write a song that Jesus is dumb? That's the antithesis of what the Holy Spirit will do. Oh, I fell in love with the Holy Spirit. Well, I think your direction better be that I fell in love with the Master Rabbi Jesus and His Spirit dwells in me. Can you say amen? These money mongers, prosperity gospel is full of gimmicks and illusions. I just saw Paula White just this week. She's encouraging people to give for um, this next feast that's coming up. And the blood of Jesus will be applied to your life. You only give 50 bucks, and you can get these trinkets. You can get this book. You can get this garbage. Please do not get the garbage. The Holy Spirit of God is not for sale. The blood of Jesus Christ is not for sale. And those that are money-mongering this is a mess it, it started in this country and taken over this country, uh, and it's a wrong spirit. Men that supposedly have the healing power, they supposedly, you know, put the Holy Spirit on people. That is such baloney. Benny Hinn and all of his gimmicks and, and, 
and all of his mirrors and smoke and, and let the bodies hit the floor, it's time that the people of God rose up and said, that's not the Spirit of God. That is not the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is going to draw us to Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. That's the Spirit that we're after. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, you will know the Holy Spirit of God in your life. You need to be a judge of it. Not because you speak in tongues and ran around the church and laid your hands on somebody. No, not that. But because Yeshua Jesus was magnified and glorified and revealed in your life. This is the Spirit of God. said, man, I went down on the floor. Somebody laid hands on me. They put oil on my head. And all kinds of things were happening. Was Jesus glorified in your life? Was the revelation of Christ become real to you in your life? If not, you might have been influenced by something else, but not the Holy Spirit of God. So what I'm teaching this morning, this is just, this is just straight up face value. Don't believe every spirit. Try the spirits, prove them, test them to see if they are a witness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? That's what I want in my life. I want to know that what's influencing me is the Spirit of God to my Lord and my Savior and my Rabbi. Would you stand with us? God bless you so much.